He said, come on, get on the go, open your eyes, the sky is full of butterflies. The blossoms on the trees stirred up the honeybee. Spring makes my fever rise. Hey folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. The South Carolina Gamecocks are pecking at the dirt trying to figure out what's gone wrong recently as it appears Ray Tanner is a better baseball coach than an AD as the Clemson Tigers have now not lost a football, soccer, or basketball game since December of 2015 and that also includes no series losses in baseball. Ben and Sam here with you today to talk a little bit about that and many other things. We've also got Cody sitting over there in the corner because he's been too busy trading cryptocurrency to really keep up with the other sports right now. Um, But we'll bring him in here in a little bit to talk a little bit about um, the ongoings in spring football practice for the Clemson Tigers. A lot of exciting stuff there, a lot of new guys, young faces, among other things. Sam, we are here to talk basketball and baseball, though. Um, The Clemson basketball team... Rebounded a little bit from their three-game losing skid there, getting Shelton Mitchell back. They won two in a row, beat Georgia Tech and then Florida State, only to drop the last regular season game to Syracuse. But they're sitting pretty going into the tournament as the number tied for third, so I guess they got Mm -hmm. the four seed. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll get into that. And then also Clemson Baseball off to a hot start. They are 10-1. and on the year playing currently playing got two outs left to go in the tuesday night game against wofford up six to three so we'll watch that finale we'll get into that um, by the time we are talking about it, that game should be over but first let's talk about basketball as the clemson tigers have been assured an ncaa tournament berth actually well before the end of the regular season and the last time that's happened well i can't really remember the last time that's happened it must have been back in 2010 or so but uh Sam, where are we at with this basketball team right now? I know some of the losses have uh, people a little bit worried, scratching their heads. I'm less so worried about this last loss to Syracuse um, or that three-game losing streak after seeing them bounce back once they got Sheldon Mitchell back. But where do we stand right now? We're sitting pretty well. Um, we're up to 19th and 20th in the AP and coaches polls. 11-7, um, and seven, like you said, tied for third at the end of the regular season in the ACC. Last time we did that was when Trevor Booker was at Clemson, so it's been a while. Um, we got the four seed in the tourney, which means we are one of the four double buys, which is pretty exciting. Um, again, hasn't happened in about eight or nine years. Um, so we're doing well. We've got a matchup looming with either NC State or BC uh, in, the, in the ACC tournament on Thursday. Um, but we're, we're looking good. So let's talk high level real quick, and let's talk about the job that Brad Brownell has done this year. Um, the ACC Coach of the Year came out as Tony Bennett from uh, Virginia Tech, or sorry, Virginia, which very deserving. I don't think they were picked to win the ACC here at the beginning of the year. I think they were picked six or something like that. Something May not like even that. have been ranked to start the season. They were not. Weren't they a one seed last year in the tournament? Uh, they were a high seed. They were a high I think seed, maybe two, one okay. or two. Well. I just have to say the job that Brad Brownell has done this year. Now, of course, I'm biased being a Clemson fan. I think probably a better job than what Tony Bennett did, uh, considering the fact that he lost his best player, Brad Brownell did, and Dante Grantham. 
yeah. um, in, in the middle of the season and to still rebound, um, go on the first losing streak of the year and be able to rebound back again from that after losing Shelton Mitchell. Um, I thought he did a phenomenal job. He had the highest jump in uh, from preseason uh, ranking yep. to final ranking, yep. going from 13th to tied for third. And that's the biggest jump in AC history. So I think that speaks for itself. Um, I, you know, I kind of equate it to why Dabo isn't going to be winning a lot of coach of the years in, in football is because you come into the season expecting Clemson to be ranked high. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he does a good job, goes undefeated, well, he's met expectations. Brad Brownell vastly overcame um, expectations. So, I mean, I'm not going to argue too much against Tony Bennett because he did a great job, but I think there's an argument to be made for Brad Brownell. Absolutely. You can't fault Tony Bennett, first of all. He, he took this team and... They had an amazing run, nearly went undefeated in ACC regular season play. Great season uh, for Virginia. But Brownell has taken, like you said, a team that was supposed to be 13th in the ACC and turned them into an actual contender until the last week when we dropped one to Syracuse in the three-game losing streak before that. We looked like there was a chance that we were going to be a two or three seed in the ACC tournament. It was an incredible effort. He got rewarded with some first-place votes in ACC Coach of the Year, which is pretty exciting for him, I'm sure. Um, He also led a number of his players into those final regular season awards for ACC. Uh, Marquise Reed was second-team All-ACC. Gabe DeVoe got a shout-out, a notable... um, Exception honorable in that mention. honorable mention. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Notable exception. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Eli uh, Eli Thomas was a all defensive player uh, for the he was all, also, all defense team. He was also um, on the ACC all academic team. Yeah. Um, along with somebody else, I can't remember who it was. I didn't but, see that list. Um, Eli Thomas was on there, um, but they the Clemson had two guys on there. I can't remember who the other one is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a phenomenal job by Brett uh, Brownell this year. I think that we can honestly say that he earned his paycheck. Absolutely. And that Clemson fans should not be griping right now. Although, if you go onto message boards, which are the darkest place on, uh, you know, on the... Uh, internet? On the non-dark internet. <laughs> on the legal internet. Um you know, you're going to see some people griping, but, you know, that's asinine. You're foolish. Look at what he's done with this team this year. Tied for third in the ACC. That's not that that's something is, this program that does. That is not the atmosphere that Clemson usually orbits in. Yep. Um, so I have to hand it to him and really excited to see what this team's going to be able to do going forward, starting with the ACC tournament, Absolutely. getting the double bye, and then should be a decently high seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we should end up somewhere from four to six, depending on how we do in the ACC tournament. But we have a chance to go fairly deep. If we beat uh, either NC State or BC on Thursday, we'll probably get Virginia. A um, little redemption opportunity for us there. If we beat them, who knows what could happen after that. That would be a huge win for the program. But even if we make it just to the uh, Elite Eight or the Final Four of the, uh, of the ACC tournament, tournament. That's, that's big for this program. It's something we haven't done in years. And it's something that you know, reflects really well on us and is going to set us up very nicely for the NCAAs. Yeah, getting to the semifinals of the ACC tournament, I don't think anybody would have expected that coming into this year. Maybe a few um, outlier Clemson fans. I certainly did not. I thought we could finish um, in the top half of the conference. I mean, if, yep. if you can say anything about Brad Brownell, is he's normally, um, his teams have normally finished higher than they were ranked in the preseason. Yep, consistently. Um, and this year being the biggest jump. Yeah, we... Uh we expected, we talked about it multiple times earlier in the year, 
but we expected them to be somewhere middle of the conference, uh, 6th to 8th maybe, and they ended up tied for 3rd. So it's exceeded even our biased expectations and has been a fantastic year so far, and we'll see if we can keep it going. Now, that being said, this team did lose four out of their last six games. Um, I think that stat is a little bit deceiving because of the three. I mean, it is what it is, but that three um, game losing streak certainly mm-hmm. makes that pop out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, they also won two out of their last three, uh, beating a f- tournament team in Florida State and uh, dropping a game to Syracuse on the road in front of the largest college basketball crowd this year um and and keeping that game close could have won that one yep should have won that yeah yeah, i will say something about that game i I think that that's uh well we will talk about it but i think it's a good uh primer running up to these tournament atmospheres being in a venue that big and being in 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 front of such large crowds i think that's good for this team and they showed poise they they stayed in that game and another thing that you can say about this team all year long is that they've played some tough games like some mm-hmm. hard-fought games and really battled in there the only game that they got blown out yep was the virginia, virginia game yep we didn't have any other losses the first of, half of, against unc but battled yeah. back in that one yeah we had we didn't have any other losses of more than 10 points more than nine uh the rest of the year so the one game immediately after grantham's injury to the number one team in the country currently i'm okay with that being a blowout loss you know the guys were still reeling if we get to play them again in the ACC tournament, we'd love to see a much better result, obviously. But, better uh, and some shots. We need, to, we need to score more points than we did in that one. 36 is not going to be enough to beat anybody. But, um, you know, it's it's been a really good, gritty year for this team. They, they've battled back a number of times and made games closer or won games that they should had no business being in in the first place. Um, so hopefully they can extend that to tournament play and, and use it going forward yeah i mean look at the teams this 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 clemson team has beat this year they've beaten a lot of tournament teams ohio state uh being one of those and auburn also having a really good year yep. not not to mention the, the various uh teams that they've beaten within the acc so very good year for clemson basketball um there's still a lot left to to play for and there could be some disappointment a first round loss in the ncw tournament would still be a in a season with uh a lot of achievements, but mm-hmm. I think at the end it would still be a bit disappointing, but we'll see where that goes. Yep. Um, so let's get in here to this stretch of the last three games to kind of turn around after Shelton Mitchell came back from injury. Yep. We worried about Gabe DeVoe. His shot was definitely off with Mitchell out in, um, you know, in with his ability to create shots and having him not there. Gabe mm-hmm. struggled a little bit in the, in the previous games. He comes back out of the Georgia Tech game. This is a eight-point win for Clemson. He goes for twenty-five and six. He's four-seven from three. At that point, we're like, "All right, Gabe's fixed. Shelton's back. We're good to go." Yeah, I was feeling good. Shelton uh, was healthy. He looked fine throughout the game. Ended up getting fourteen in number of assists. Um, Gabe, like you said, went off again and sort of quelled the fears that he'd lost his shot completely and was in his own head. Um, that game was senior night. So we started our two seniors in Gabe, well, healthy ones, Gabe and Mark Donnell. I actually kind of liked Eli coming off the bench because he picked up his first foul with about eight minutes into the half instead of four minutes into the half, and it let us leave him in for a while. So I, I doubt that Brownell's going to play around with that, but I thought it was an interesting look. Um, and, you know, we this was another one of those games where we were sort of split half to half. 
the first half we let Josh Okoge go off. He had 22 uh, in the game, but he and Tadrick Jackson had 27 combined in the first half, which really just kept them in it. And uh, we were down at the half in that game. Yeah. There's always somebody on the opposing team going off and having career night. I mean, it, it's, um, it's a story that keeps repeating itself. It's like groundhog day. Um, now taking a look at this game, the identity of this game, looking at the box score, is very similar to how Clemson had success earlier in the year. Not only did Gabe go off for 25, but you had three other guys in double digits. Shelton Mitchell coming back had 14 points, and then Marquise and Eli had 13 apiece. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. That, that That's showing the offensive identity of this basketball team, and that's when they play best. When they don't play well is when they're, they struggle to get into a half-court offense and move the ball around. This game, they did it pretty well. Yep. I think the last three games, uh, we talked about it in the last podcast, but we talked about the opportunity for them to show that they can handle different defenses. So Georgia Tech was the start of that. Um, They sort of split between a 1-3-1 zone and a pressure man. And we handled it well. We moved the ball throughout the game. We had some good balance in the scoring. When we have four or five guys in double figures or close to double figures, it really bodes well for the team. Even if nobody's going off for 2025, 20, if everybody's at 13, 15, 16, it's a good sign for the team. Now, one thing that kind of has been an Achilles heel lately for this team um, is just sloppy play and turnovers. Um, we saw that kind of kill momentum in the second half of get this game. And that is kind of an area of concern for this basketball team. You saw it's rear its ugly head in the Syracuse game as well. Yep. Great to have Shelton Mitchell back because that takes the ball out of Marquise Reed's hands who he is not the best when he's running the point. Yep. Um, I will say this for Marquise Reed, as good as he's been this year, probably the team MVP. Yep. Um, one thing that he really needs to work on for next year, going into next year, is his ball handling skills. But we did see that come back and bite the Tigers um, in the butt in this game. So how much, of a, uh, how much of a problem or how fearful should Clemson fans be moving forward going into tournament play where you're going to be facing some really good dark guards and good defenses? I think as long as we stay healthy, um, the guard play is going to come through for us. We've got three really strong starting guards that can hold their own at, as they've proven this year, at an elite college level. Uh, we've got another starter in Eli who is, in the same way, very able to hold his own both defensively and offensively at this level. Amir Sims still figuring it out, but we have backups behind both he and, and uh, Eli that have played at this level and can do it in Donnell and Scara. Yeah, and the backups have been getting a lot of good minutes, so we'll talk about them here in a little bit. But um, kind of a blessing in disguise with Shelton Mitchell going down. Yeah, it resulted in at least two losses. Maybe you don't count um, the the first game to Florida State because he did play the majority of that game. Mm -hmm. Uh, But definitely in Duke and against Virginia Tech. Uh, But the young guys got a lot of playing time, especially the guards, uh, between A.J. Oliver Clyde Trapp, um, Scott Spencer. Yep. Um, they got some good minutes. And you see, like, A.J. Oliver come in later in the season, like in the Syracuse yeah. game. Syracuse game. He got, a, he got some free throws. Yeah. So really good to see that from him. Um, so let's move on now to the Florida State game. You know, this is a team Clemson played down to the wire. That's the game that Sheldon Mitchell got hurt uh, yep. down in Tallahassee. This game, they come out. It's closer than the box score, the final score Definitely. would say, but good to see this team pull away late. Yep, and this is uh, another one of those examples, like you said. It's a trend. Uh, 
one player going off in the first half in Phil Kofer. He also hurt us in the second half the first time we played them. Um, the rotations were w- really weak. Stretch four, hitting threes in the corner. There were at least three where he got the ball in the corner and hit it, and there was no rotation in time. Uh, but the game went really well. We closed the game really well. Uh, this is another game where we had a lot of even scoring. Uh, Keese led the way with 22 but we had three other guys in double figures and Mark Janelle with eight. So um, like we said a second ago, even scoring is good for us. Well, and that's where it's, it's very important for a guy like Gabe Devoted to, you know, get into the scoring column, whether or not he doesn't have to lead the team in scoring, although it's helpful when he does. So all the pressure is not on uh, on uh, Reed. Uh, but good to see him in this game go yep. put up 13. But again, you see that balanced scoring across the board, and that's when Clemson is playing at its best. Um, even Mark Donald coming in there with eight points um, was good. You saw a better ball movement um, in this game. Um, and I will say this about Eli Thomas. His inside presence has really developed throughout the course of this year, both on the defense and on the offense. Um, I've been really impressed by just where he's come over the past two years and really excited to see him play next year. Yeah, the beginning of the season this year, we were really feeding him a lot down low on offense, and he got in the mindset where every time I touch the ball, I'm putting up a shot. Early in the season, it was working great, and then defenses started to adjust to that, and he was still trying to do it, and it wasn't working as well. He's figured it out now, I think. Um, He knows when to kick. He's making some really nice passes out of the post when he gets doubled or when he gets pressured and gets stuck. Uh, He's going to be really good. And next year, like you said, is going to be so much fun. So let's roll that into the Syracuse game, because the thing that was kind of frustrating me in this game, especially in the first half, is we weren't getting the ball inside. Mm-hmm. And Syracuse's zone was killing us on the perimeter. We weren't able to get open looks. I mean, it was a low-scoring game. It was 55-52. to 52. But when we did start seeing some success is when they were able to get the ball in to Eli Thomas, and he either was able to take a shot, I believe, but he had one beautiful hook in that game, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah. Um, or when he was able to kick it back out to find a guy from the open look. Um, He had 18 in that game. Uh, Marquise Reed had 21. Problem here, Gabe DeVoe was almost non-existent. I think he only had, what, three points in this game? Four. Uh, Four. Um, Yeah. Did did he even hit a three? Uh, He did not. He was 0 for 6 from three. He did have nine rebounds. Yep. In that game, which was good to and see. And five assists. He was distributing really well in that and, game. And see, that's something that uh, Dante Grantham did really well, uh, even when he wasn't scoring. He impacted um, the box score, uh, yep. in, impacted the game in other ways. So yep. that's the mindset of a senior. And that's really good to see that from Gabe DeVoe as well, that he's not getting down on himself when he's not scoring, and he's able to contribute in other ways. That being said, his shooting ability is going to come up big here in tournament play. It's something that we're going to need. Like we yep. can't afford for him to have cold nights. Now he doesn't have to put up 15 to 20 to 25 every night. He needs to be at least around 10 though. Eight to 10 to yeah. 12, somewhere around close to double digits would be super helpful. Yeah. The announcers in that Syracuse game made mention of it, but at this point, the way Gabe goes, we go. Um, if he's having a good shooting night, things are clicking. Everybody else feeds off of him. And he's sort of the emotional leader as far as momentum. Keese is our super late game clutch shot maker. Uh, but people feed off of Gabe's energy. And this game, like you said, uh, Marquise had 21. Eli had 18. So 39 for the two of them. We scored 52 total. And I think this is uh, this is the type of game where you really see 
uh, where losing Dante Grantham really hurts because he's another guy that can get inside a lot easier than uh, Shelton Mitchell or Gabe DeVoe can. Yep. You know, he's a little bit taller. He's packed on some muscle in the offseason, and he was doing that well this year. So having more guys that can penetrate and get inside, again, helps you even playing against these own defenses, helps you free up guys in the perimeter. Yeah, absolutely. And Amir had a good game this game. Uh, he had six and five and played some good ball, but he's just not the same player as a Dante Grantham. So this is one of those games where we needed that third scorer to get us over the top, and we just didn't have it on the night. Well, to give Syracuse some credit, there are two big guys inside who are just amazing. absolutely dominating all night. They had seven blocks between uh, uh, Chuck Wu and Brissett. And you mentioned here the rim protection won them the ball game, and I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, Gabe DeVoe got swatted by the same guy twice after he yeah. fell you know, twice, Ch- Ch- twice, twice, twice in a row after he fell on the floor. Uh, that was amazing. I think Eli got blocked uh, yeah. one or two times. Felt like everybody was getting blocked. I feel like the box score doesn't really even reflect how many. No. So, so credit they have. credit to Syracuse and, and their defense. I'm not sure they necessarily game plan for anything because they just run zone all the time. I yep. don't know the intricacies of that. Yeah. Um, but I would be remiss not to mention the officiating in this game. Yeah. There were some bad calls throughout. Uh, the Georgia Tech game as well was really, really bad. That one happened to be in our favor for most of the game. This one was evenly bad for most of the game until the last couple of minutes. There were three really egregious, horrible calls at the end of the game that cost us six free throw attempts for, uh, for Syracuse, and they hit most of them, which... Credit to them. They held on. They did what they were supposed to do. They won the game. But I can't help but think if they hadn't gifted them four to six free throws at the end of the game, we would have had a better shot. Well, and none more egregious than Eli's fourth foul. Yeah, he was boxing out the uh, he had Sy- position. He had position. The Syracuse defender went over the top, and Eli had the ball in his hands and then got tackled from above, and they called a foul on him, and it, it was insane. Well, and this would be times where in the past, this is where Cody would step in and, and give us crap um, for being a lesser team and blaming it on the officials. But we're actually a good team this year. And we're talking about the officiating, not just in games we lost, but in games we win. Yeah. We haven't, throughout the season, really haven't complained a ton about the referees. Uh, there have been a couple games where we had a call or two that went haywire. But this one, it was so late in the game and they were such crucial calls. Uh, and Syracuse capitalized on them. And I think it it really, if it didn't cost us the game, it severely damaged our chances. Well, that being said, um, we're not necessarily going to get any better refereeing in the ACC tournament, but perhaps going into the NCAA tournament, um, I'm not going to say that they're biased. I'm not going to start any conspiracy series, um, theories, um, saying that ACC refs want certain teams to win because I don't believe that's the case. I just think they're incompetent. Um, but going into the NCAA tournament, we're going to have refs from different leagues. Yeah, that should help. I mean, the best league in uh, the best conference in college basketball should probably have better refs, right? You'd think. I mean, it's every year people complain about ACC refs specifically. This conference has trouble with whether it's an image thing or an actual referees being worse thing. I think Ron Cherry can ref basketball. I'm sure he could. Learn. I mean, at least if you're going to have bad refereeing out there, at least give us some entertainment. Absolutely. I mean, they've got to be able to learn, right? It'll take some time, but he can make the transition. Yep. Different shaped ball, different color, still a ball. Uh, Breaking news here before we get into talking about the ACC tournament. 
It looks like Memphis is considering firing Tubby Smith and bringing in Penny Hardaway as their head coach. Oh, man. How cool would it be? These kids probably don't even know, but for people our age, how cool would it be to be coached by Penny Hardaway? Yeah, I just want like more Blackstreet videos with, yeah. with Little Penny in it. Yeah, that'd be more, awesome. more Little Penny is what everyone needs. Exactly. Good to see Little Penny on the sideline. Um, okay, not that you guys care. Um, so moving on to the ACC tournament. It looks like that we're going to get the winner of the North Carolina State-Boston College game. Boston College took care of Georgia Tech earlier today. We're more familiar with Georgia Tech. We played them more recently. Um, Mm -hmm. And played them twice. We played them twice um, uh, since we've played either of these teams. Uh, North Carolina State, we played twice as well earlier in the season, didn't we? Yeah, NC State, we played twice, and BC BC uh, once. once, North Carolina State has really come on strong here at the end of the season. They've actually had a really good year. I think they've played higher than expectations. Um, So I think this is a game where you want to see Boston College win, not only because uh, they would be the lower seed coming into our game, but also they will have played two games in a row. Yeah, the... The more tired team is the one you'd rather face. And as they say, Kevin Keats is a winner. So you don't want to face NC State right now. They're coming in really hot. Their only loss in their last uh, six games is to Georgia Tech in a really, really close uh, one at the beginning of March. So they've looked really good, and they're they're on fire right now. So how, how do we match up against NC State? You know, we lost a, a close one to them um, at their place, and we beat them pretty good at home. Yeah, the matchup's pretty good. Good for us, uh, but we played them twice without their point guard, Martel right. Johnson, and he is one of the best passers in the country. Since he's come back, that's really been the catalyst to their their taking off. So, with Yurt Seven, who we've talked about, he crushed us in the game we lost to them. I think he went for twenty seven or something, hit four or five threes. Um, they've got some really good shooters, and with Markel Johnson creating for them, he's sort of their Shelton Mitchell. Um, it's it's going to be a tough matchup for us. So, again, I'm a little bit less worried about what they do on offense because Clemson's defense has been absolutely phenomenal all year long in the games we aren't scoring. That's what's been keeping us in it. How do we sack up against them, um, our offense versus their defense? How do we score on this team? Uh, yeah, their defense is not as strong as their offense. They're probably they're about 90th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, and we, as we talked about last week, are around 50th offensively. They have some decent inside presence in Yurt 7. Uh, he's a decent shot blocker, really tall guy, uh, but he's not super tough. So if we can get the ball inside against them, Eli should be able to dominate and get us a bunch of points. Their guards are very aggressive defensively. Uh, they like to pressure out like some of the teams we've seen the last week or two. So offensively, I'm not super worried about us not putting up points against them. They played a pretty quick pace and... Uh, one of the faster ones in the country, actually. And we can keep up with that, but we'll probably be the ones setting the, the tempo, which works in our favor. We get to set the bar and, and how the game goes. So really, it's kind of the same theme that we've seen all year long, especially in Clemson losses. It's that we've lost our offensive identity, and part of that is not being able to get the ball inside to free up guys in the perimeter. I know a lot of people sit back and say, shooting threes is our identity. Well, it is, um, but making threes is our identity when we have more of an inside presence because that frees up those guys on the perimeter. Um, our identity and losses has generally been when the guys on the perimeter can't get good shots off. Yep. We shoot about 37% from three, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but I assume when we, and I know just from watching the games, that when we go inside out, we get the ball into the paint either by driving or get it into Eli or Amir 
and then kicking out to shooters who are open and in rhythm, we shoot a lot better. And that's true in any basketball setting, but it's really, really obvious when we sort of ignore the interior for a while in a game and the shots are more pressured, tougher to hit, and we go ice cold. And it's happened plenty of times. Okay, so speaking of having a hard time scoring the ball, uh, let's take a look at the rest of the bracket here. Should Clemson beat um, uh, the winner of NC State or Boston College in their first game of the tournament, they will likely be facing Virginia yep. um, in, the, in the semifinal game. Uh, Virginia, Clemson hung with them in the first half of that game at Virginia, or I'm sorry, that was, mm-hmm. that was at Virginia mm-hmm. yeah, earlier this year. That was the first game after Dante Grantham went down for the season. Uh, but the Virginia came out and just blew Clemson out of the water in the second half. Clemson struggled scoring the ball as most teams have against Virginia this year. They're only a two loss team on the season. What, what would it take to beat them? It would take a fantastic shooting night. They're one of the best teams in the country defensively and historically that we've talked about before. They have the defensive player of the year in the ACC in Wilkins, another guy who got robbed in Devin Hall, who should have been on the all-defensive team probably. It's they're, they're really, 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 really good defensively. So we would need to get a hot night from a couple guys probably. And then defensively, we need to slow down Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy, they're their big scorers. DeAndre Hunter's coming on of late as well. So those three are the ones we need to look for uh, to slow down. It's a lot of guys to slow down. Yeah. Um, so taking a look, should Clemson happen to get to the uh, ACC championship game? You're looking at likely squaring up against the three-seed uh, or the two-seed Duke or the three-seed Miami, both teams that Clemson can beat. Uh, Clemson showed that they could, could beat Duke. Uh, yep. They came close this yep. year. Um, other teams to look out for, uh, North Carolina, of course, you can't ever turn your back on them. They're in the number six seed. Clemson won one against them this year. Yep. Of course, we mentioned NC State. That's somebody who could beat Clemson, and that's uh, Clemson's first-round game. And then another team that I have my eye on is the 10 seed Notre Dame. Absolutely. They did kind of struggle to beat Pitt today, who is an absolutely horrible team. Only won eight games on the year. I think none in none. conference play. Only, only winless team in conference play in all of the country. But Notre Dame got their best player back yeah. here recently to end out the season. So what does that team look at? Do they do they have a shot to kind of be a sleeper here? Yeah, they do. Because um, they were predicted to be a top four team in the in the conference. That was one of my prediction, predictions. I had them top four. I had them potentially contending to win the ACC had they stayed healthy. Uh, they lost Colson for a couple months. He's back. And I, th- I still think they have the potential to really make it run. And they've got something to fight for. If they don't do well in the ACC tournament, if they don't at least beat Virginia Tech, there's no chance they get in um, with an at-large bid. So I would expect them to both beat Virginia Tech after Pitt's uh, close game today, uh, but they should beat Virginia Tech and then put up a really good fight against Duke if they don't win it. It's definitely a scary team. The hard part with that is Duke's going to – that's going to be Duke's first First, game and Notre Notre Dame will be on their third game. It's really hard to do that. I think we've seen UConn, I think, done mm-hmm. that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's really hard to do. Yeah, it's really hard to make a full run from a play-in game in a, in a conference tournament to winning it. So it'll be interesting to see, especially since Colson just came back, if he has enough wind to stay in the games and be in late and make a difference. But if he can hold on and, and be effective late, they're a very good team. Okay, so looking ahead to the NCAA tournament, as we mentioned before, we're we're projected about a five seed right now, and yep. that would kind of a, align with what our current ranking is, and that's number nineteen in the country in the AP. 
So depending on how we do in the ACC tournament, we're looking where from anywhere between a four or six. Now they go off and win the ACC tournament. Maybe you see them move, maybe up to move up to a three. Be. But I think for the the longest time now, I did mention earlier before that three game losing streak that um, when Grantham was still playing, that a three was probably our ceiling, yep. and then a six was probably our floor. And that's where that's we right look. Where this, we land yeah, in. that's yeah. where we land right now. Um, we could go through all the scenarios of who we might play. I don't think we'll get into that right now. There's too many to talk about. But, yeah, again, I think as a Clemson fan, you have to be really excited to see Clemson not just slip in the NCAA tournament, not be a bubble team, not be a team that comes in as a eight seed that ends up having to go in a play-in game to get in and uh, into the first round. So, all in all, a very exciting year for Clemson basketball. I think all the credit in the world goes to Brad Belnell. And his players, uh, a few guys, talk about the unsung heroes here. Mark Donald has played really well all year long. Uh, he's been an added bonus on offense that we weren't sure that we were going to get out of him. David Scarra, I know his offensive game is absolutely putrid, but his energy and hustle on defense has been has made a huge difference here, yep. especially when you lose some scoring, you need to have better defense. And he's played his heart out this year. Yeah, there were games where he was the most in player on the court. Uh, for Clemson and is the reason that we won some. He's been awesome. Like you said, Donnell's been great. Shot over 50% from three in the regular season, um, which for a big guy and somebody coming off the bench was huge for us. He was sort of the uh, fifth scorer for us and fourth when when Dante went down. So it's been really great having two experienced guys be able to step in and help bring us over the line in a lot of games. And it's, you know, talk about the inexperienced guys too. Uh, Amir Sims, his ability to step in there for Dante Grantham, us not needing the scoring from him, but we need that big body. I think he's progressed very well, um, you know, since about the midpoint of the year when Grantham went down. Um, but then, as we mentioned, when Shelton Milter went down, you see guys like Clyde Trapp and Scott Spencer and A.G. Oliver here at the end really come on and get some good playing time and – if nothing else, that bodes very well for them going into next season. But it could make a difference in the in the NCAA tournament and well in the conference and NCAA tournament. Yeah, we talked about it all year. We needed to get those guys minutes, get some time in the, under their belts, so they can figure out how to play at a high level in college. Uh, Amir obviously has sort of been thrown into the fire since Dante got injured. He's done a great job and has become our solid fifth starter. Um, Clyde has been. Good backing up uh, Shelton and helping out when when Reed or Gabe are in, uh, in foul trouble as well. And the last couple of weeks, we've seen Malik William, A.J. Oliver, Scott Spencer get a little bit more run. And they've played well in the short stints they've been in the game. So hopefully we can have them contribute in the next couple of games and definitely next season. Well, it's good when Shelton Mitchell needs a breather. It's good to be able to bring in somebody who can run the point um, so Marquise doesn't have to. Yeah, and I don't know if Clyde Trapp is a, a natural point guard. He seems like he's used to scoring more than, than he's being asked to do for us, but he's done a really good job handling the pressure and setting up the offense. So he's been a good substitute when, when Shelton needs a breather. So that about wraps it up for basketball. Um, again, really excited to see how this team is going to perform moving forward. At the same time, going ahead and looking ahead to next year, they're going to be an even better basketball team in my estimation. Um, so we'll see how it goes. We will be back. We'll try to be back to preview um, or to recap the ACC tournament and preview the NCAA tournament early next week. 
Um, then, of course, we'll be back to talk to see how this team does in the NCAA tournament. But now let's move on to baseball. Okay, the Clemson Tiger baseball team is now 11-1 on the year. Um, they ended up pulling out the game against Wofford, 6-3 to tonight. Um, we talked about that a little bit earlier. They were still... They had just gone ahead, I believe, in the seventh inning when we started this podcast. So, baseball team playing very well this year so far. More of the same. They're they're getting some walk-offs. Um, they have been abundant. They've been coming from behind. Um, that's been a common theme this year. Um, and they beat South Carolina. They, they won the series against South Carolina. So, there's another common theme. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, what a great start to the baseball season for this Clemson baseball team. They're answering a lot of questions, and I think that's the key. And the big questions being, how is the pitching staff going to fare? And I got to tell you, the weekend starters so far have looked absolutely amazing. Jacob Hennessy with a 169 ERA, Brooks Crawford with a 198 ERA, Jake Higginbotham a 208 ERA. Can't ask for much better than that. No, absolutely not. And we've seen, like you said, a lot of comebacks uh, and walk-offs. We had two walk-offs in the last week and a half, one against Winthrop, in the 10th and then another one against South Carolina at home to, to win the series. And it's been, they've been fun games. Yeah, they really have. Um, you know, started going back to that Dallas Baptist series. Dallas Baptist came in as a nationally ranked team. Um, they were in the tournament last year. Clemson outscored this Dallas Baptist team 24 to four, uh, blew them out the first two games. The second game was a little too close for comfort, but a great uh, pitching performance by Jake Higginbotham. Again, a 20-point difference in the scoring column on that one. You couldn't have asked for more from this Clemson baseball team. Um, and, and that really has the momentum going. Going into the midweek game against Winthrop, where they came back uh, with a walk-off win there, Clemson winning that one 9-8, and going into the South Carolina series. Funny enough, the Clemson Tigers are 0-3 under Monty Lee on Friday night games against the Gamecocks. Interesting. 6-3 and overall, though. He's won every series that he's played against them. Um, really in that first game against South Carolina, it was a pitcher's duel. Uh, Gamecock pitcher Adam Hill pitched absolutely amazing that night. All that being said, Clemson still could, should have won this game. Um, Seth Beer broke up the no-hit bid um, of, of Hills with a two-run homer to get the Tigers lead at one point. Yep. Uh, the problems in that game were the errors. Uh, Grayson Bird dropped an easy uh, pop up on the infield, and we kind of see that has led to him being removed from the lineup. And then uh, Riley Gilliam, uh, errant throw, a kind of a mixed communication with uh, Chris Williams over there at first base on a, a attempted pickoff play that really gave the Gamecocks that game. Um, but that being said, Clemson was able to bounce back with a 5-1 to one win on Saturday night. Ryan Miller pitched really amazing in that game. Um, he only allowed four hits and struck out three and four innings of work. He has a 1290 ERA on the year, and that's with 14 innings pitched. That is a third of an inning more than starter Brooks Crawford. And Ryan Miller, he's strictly out of the bullpen guy. Yeah, but Crawford's been good too. That same game, he went four and two thirds, gave up one run, uh, and had three Ks. So our pitchers have just been out of their minds to start the year, which is a great. Well, to start. Yeah, and what you're seeing is what we thought going into the year is that this team was going to be more uh, was going to have to more heavily rely on the bullpen, and Ryan Miller has been a big, big piece of that. Carson Spears has been another guy who pitched well. He came in, he got the win in the Wofford uh, game tonight. Um, the last game against South Carolina, back and forth affair. Clemson ended up winning that one eight to seven. 
That one being another walk-off win for the Tigers when Drew Warden uh, crushed the ball to right field that uh, hit off the wall in front of the Cajun Cafe. That was nearly a homer. Uh, Robert Jolly turned on the, the, the afterburners here, scoring the game-winning run all the way from first base. So all in all, uh, good job by the, the Clemson Tigers over the past couple weeks in baseball. Again, the game against Wofford tonight. Uh, Monty Lee still trying to figure out, Monty Lee and pitching coach Andrew C. still trying to figure out who that midweek starter is going to be. Um, tonight they went with Travis Moore. Travis pitched a decent game. Uh, I think something that you would consider, you know, in Major League Baseball, you consider a quality start six innings or more, three runs or less. He went five and three. I think for your midweek starter, um, you know, young and experienced guys coming in, we'll take five and three. Yeah, with four strikeouts to three walks, you know, that's really all we can ask for a midweek starter at this point. We'll figure out the rotation the rest of the year. But all these things together have combined to a really great start for, for the Tigers. We're up to somewhere from 10th to 15th, depending on which uh, ranking service you look at. So if you look at ClemsonTigers.com, we're number six. There you go. Uh, I think that's by uh, RPI. We're sixth or seventh in RPI. So, base college baseball rankings are almost more worthless than um, the football coaches bowl. Yep, it's all over. The it's place. all over. The at place. least this early in the year. Yep. But yeah, either way you look at it, no matter which one you're looking at, uh, we're doing well and we're off to a really good start. And the pitchers have been a huge part of that. Um, so, yeah, this team has played six one-run games already this season, has won five of them. So, again, um, these guys, they don't shy away um, from the moment, and they're not afraid to come back in, in a game. They never feel like they're out of a game when they go down. Um, Riley Gillum looked a little shaky um, a couple times in the South Carolina game. He let them go ahead in the third game of the series and obviously was in there when uh, the, the team lost the first game of the series. Um, another one, uh, Grayson Bird, I mentioned him dropping the pop-up. Mm-hmm. You saw him removed for the lineup. Justin Hawkins has been inserted. He's played well so far. Uh, let's see. He's batting 333 on the year. He was one for three tonight against Wofford with two RBIs. That's a young guy. Uh, Juco transfer again. They, they say he has the most, probably the most pure power on the team. Uh, when he's not hitting the ball, he's striking out, but whatever. Um, you know, he's been inserted. As long as his defense doesn't fail, if he continues to hit for average, I think you're going to continue to see him in there. So really starting to plug up a lot of these holes and question marks for this team this year. Across the board, the team is batting pretty well. Drew Warden, he's slipped a little bit to 250. He started off the, the season uh, pretty hot, and the coaching staff was encouraged by that. They're really hoping for him to turn it around his senior year. But he does have a lot of clutch RBIs. I think he's second on the team in RBIs right now. So... All in all, I think you had to be pretty happy with this baseball team. Seth Beer, uh, batting 275 on the year, which is about where he was last year yep. um, after batting uh, close to 400 for most of the year, his freshman year. Do you think there's any concern of seeing him kind of below 300? Last year, maybe a little bit of sophomore slump. Guys were pitching him inside, and he wasn't backing down off the plate, uh, but he still had the power numbers. Again, still power numbers this year, but batting below 300, which for a guy that's supposed to be as dominant as him in college baseball, you would hope to see that batting average a little bit higher. Yeah, you would hope. Uh, I think he's seeing the ball pretty well this year. He's been walked 12 times to only six strikeouts, so and he's got three home runs. So I think he's probably just figuring it out for this year. He'll come into form. I don't expect to see him under 300 again this year. Well, across the board, Logan Davison bringing his average up as of late. And, of course, uh, Patrick Cromwell and Chris Williams have been tearing the cover off the ball this year, so that's good to see. 
and Robert Jolly continues doing his thing. So I don't think the lineup's going to be the problem at all this year. Again, as we start to solve some of these questions um, from the pitching staff, which uh, those questions are becoming fewer and fewer, that's really been exciting to see. Um, coming into the Wofford game tonight, team ERA of 2.77, holding opponents to a 213 batting average. Um, that's incredible, especially for college baseball. Um, the strikeout to walk ratio dipped from the beginning of the year, where it was close to around six. That yeah. was unsustainable, uh, but it's down to two, uh, 2.7 uh, with 3.32 walks per nine innings pitch. Again, not terrible. A little bit higher than things were last year, but it's still good to see out of this pitching staff. Of course, it's not taking into account the, the game against Wofford tonight. Those stats haven't been updated. Um, but still, for the most part, you know, pitching pretty well. I like to see that that walks per nine innings go down a little bit. It's a little bit more than a walk higher than it was last year. Yep. But I think that in part is probably due to some of these midweek games. Again, them having these young freshmen, redshirt freshmen in there trying to figure things out. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's been going fairly well so far this year is uh, the fielding hasn't been bad. There have been a couple errors you talked about. Grayson Bird struggling, uh, and he's sort of falling out of rotation because of that. But as a team, we've only got nine errors on the year coming into tonight's game. So if we're doing one a game for college baseball, that's pretty good. Um, well, and they had zero tonight against Wofford heading into the Wofford game. They had a 978 field percentage. Um, and I'll remind you last year for the year. And of course that went up after this game last year for the year, they were nine, uh, 970 fielding percentage. Yep. Monty Lee's first year, they were down at 960. So you haven't seen market improvement. Yep. Um, once we get the numbers in after this game, it's only uh, it's almost a 10-point difference every single year. Now, a 980 fielding percentage is phenomenal, especially for college baseball. I think if you can see this team hanging around that mark, um, that A is going to eliminate some of these unearned runs that mm-hmm. this team has mm-hmm. um, had to deal with the past couple of years. But it's also it's really going to help out the comfortability level of these young pitchers, knowing that they can, allow, they can throw strikes, guys them. allow yeah. guys – um, to put the ball in play and knowing that their defense is going to get it done. Logan Davidson has been playing amazing this year. He's really upped his game on defense at the shortstop position. Um, so, so far, so good for this Clemson baseball team. There's a lot of exciting, th- uh, a lot to be excited about. We're going to start to get into ACC play here shortly. We got Michigan State tomorrow night. Then I believe we had Georgia Tech coming up this weekend. Yep. It should be fun to watch a really random matchup between Clemson and Michigan State. I don't know how they scheduled that one. Well, Michigan State, uh, those northern teams have a hard time playing baseball this time of year, just with it being so cold, especially with aluminum bats. I think you're not supposed to play below like 60 or 50 degrees with aluminum bats. Um, But, you know, you see the Northeast just get hit with a bomb cyclone, so kind of hard to play baseball in that. Yep. So we'll see how that goes for them. Uh, They're coming down to the warmer south to play in Greenville against us. Uh, And then we start with Georgia Tech this this weekend to, to get into ACC play. Okay, well, we'll continue to follow this uh, baseball team throughout the year. Um, it's looking like Omaha bus right now. I think a lot of Clemson fans probably have high expectations at this point in the season, judging by how well we played so far and how well Monty Lee has done the past couple of years now, really having his guys in the system. So um, I, I can't say anything more about Clemson sports right now between what basketball is doing right now, what baseball is doing right now. Soccer has been hot the past couple of years, and of course, the football team, who looks like next year could be the best all-around team that they've had, and that's including the one with Deshaun Watson on it where they won the national championship. So with that, let's move over to football. Okay, real quick before we uh, get into football here and kind of the latest happenings uh, during spring practice, be sure to check out our host, co-host Tully's 
interview with Alex Kraft from Shaking the Southland. They do a good hour on uh, the expectations leading into next year, kind of look at the different position groups and where we might be deficient, where we are in good shape. Be sure to check that out. Would have let you know earlier, but uh, Tully didn't let us know he's doing it. Uh, International man of mystery over there. But uh, it was a great episode. Go check that out. As always, Alex Kraft has uh, good stuff to contribute. Uh, But Cody, here we are, man. Um, I see you grabbed a beer. Didn't ask. That's very much like you. Yeah, your your kitchen is it's it's mine for the taking. Anything I want, I just grab it. You were I don't my, ask. You were in my apartment when I got here. Don't give me your keys to your apartment just, if you don't want me to come into it. Make yourself a without permission. I did steal your credit card the other night, so and twenty bucks. So we're even. Yeah, let's uh, let's don't talk about it the other night. But I do. We did our discussion on the 2018 football Clemson football season last night was around the excitement level, and we we took a quick reflection back through the last three or four years now this is our fourth off season leading into a season doing the podcast and we talked about you know 2015 was really exciting you not really know what was in store maybe maybe we reached new heights with a, a first full year of deshaun watson uh 2016 like more like pressure it seemed um but like obviously very exciting but it just seemed like the like it was championship or bust obviously another exciting year last year but this year it seems like the most exciting i can think about think of in, in recent memory and I think it's just because we're playing, like I told you, with house money. Uh, but what, what's your excitement level? Um, it's interesting. I was actually thinking about this today, that my excitement level hasn't really gone down, even though we've been making all these playoff runs and have won the one national championship. I think especially coming off of the loss last year and the way that went down in the Sugar Bowl, it has me really excited about going into next year because there's that little bit of a revenge factor. And I want to see that team get back out there and see some of these guys who I've been watching the past few years really start to develop and how they're going to bounce back. Um, it's a very similar feeling um, to after we lost Alabama in 2015. Right. I, I would, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah. Seeing some of the guys that, that, that we feel, let's think of this two ways. The recruiting talent is now it's in full, it's fully cycled through. And what I mean is the level of recruiting that we are at now kind of started in 2015. That was Hyatt, Wilkins, Farrell, and, and Bryant that year. Now those guys are seniors. So they've, they've, they're all the way through. We've gone through four classes now with that level of elite talent. But more than that, one of the, the second part of that is just the, the character and learning to not only love these guys because of how great they've done on the field, but how they've done off the field as well. And I'm talking about like Christian Wilkins, Cleland Farrell. Um, Mitch Hyatt, uh, well, all these guys. Let's not bury the lead here. Maybe that's what we're excited about is we get to see those four guys come back this year and then combine the three uh, defensive linemen with Dexter, Dexter Lawrence. I'm excited to see this defensive line get on the field next year. Oh, God. It's it's not it's not even fair. I mean, they may have to hold them out of the spring game to keep the quarterback safe. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't. Th- I think they should try to like spread across the town and not just keep one that defensive line. All, I, like, I want to see them all. On the, I want to see them all in the same – the same line I, or nothing at all. I don't want to see Hunter Johnson running and and Trevor Lawrence. I, anyhow, um, no, it's going to be a very a tremendous line. And and you know, uh, one thing Alex Kraft talked about in, the, in an interview with Tully was that uh, the Dorian O'Daniel he thought was the best player on the defense last year. And and I can't I can't disagree with that. And it's not just about um, how productive he was. It's the kind of the mismatch or his dual threat, we'll call, almost call it like dual threat linebacking ability. When you're talking about a strong side linebacker, but he can also be like a nickel in covers. He, and, and you don't have to like, the defensive quarter doesn't have to substitute these hurry up no huddle offenses where they try to get the mismatch on you by, by going no huddle. You can't do that with Dorian Daniel. So that, that's also, it's kind of like him being able to switch hit in baseball. Anyhow, so 
The winner Daniel was great. I think what we want to talk about was 2018, though. So like that is the one question mark. And is that Isaiah Simmons that's going to move to the nickel? And, and how how are we going to do that? I would honestly, I'd like to see Tanner Muse play a little bit more in that Sam position and, and see if he could get into a little bit of coverage. I think he would be adequate uh, defending tight ends. But uh, maybe that's the only question mark. But and, and along with some depth concerns at safety and, and corner, cornerback, for instance, I think there is legitimate concern there. I mean, you're only bring it back three corners back next year with experience mark fields trayvon mullen aj terrell aj terrell being a true sophomore uh trayvon mullen probably has the most experience coming back as a junior and then mark fields uh he'll be a senior now yeah but injury played last year didn't play a lot yeah i mean if you if i actually listened to the, Ven- the the venables interview it was like the first or second practice and he was very angry he's like yeah i'm concerned about it talking about the depth at cornerback and I'm like, dude, slow your roll because, like, not only is it not that bad because you do have some freshman talent coming in, but these every single cornerback on this roster is really damn good. And I'm not saying that the the defensive line will cover up all mistakes, but man, they're going to cover up a lot of mistakes in the secondary this year. So I'm I'm nowhere near. Uh, I think Tiger Illustrated compared the depth concerns at the secondary this year to last year's defensive line does. Depth concerns, and I would say it, I'm much more uh, was much more concerned last year than I am this year about the corners. Right, but if we succumb to the same number of injuries at cornerback, the reason the defensive line was able to hold up last year is because they stayed healthy. We didn't have to, we didn't experience any depth issues because the guy stayed healthy. Cornerback, uh, we had injuries all over the place, and that was with a team with more depth. This year, we don't have as much depth. Now we have guys like the redshirt freshman Anthony Williams coming in, who's going to be a phenomenal player, um, but he hasn't proven himself yet, so we don't know what we're going to get at him. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. Uh, there could be some like like Lee Anthony Williams. I mean he's got a redshirt under his belt. This was not like some Johnny two star kid. He, he was a four star player. He's a good player, um, highly talented. I think Kyler McMichael and Mario Goodrich will be. Maybe they won't be ready, but they're going to be there to provide quality depth. So I'm, I'm, I am a lot less worried. And you're right, entries, entries could be a thing. It would have been good to see Ray Ray come back. Instead of going undrafted in the NFL draft, he could have came back and actually learned his NFL position. But, you know, it is what it is. I, I think we'll be just fine in the long run. I hope Ray Ray ends up being a wide receiver and proves us all wrong. Yeah, I mean, that four, I mean he's like undersized and he runs a Dornier Daniel 40, uh, linebacker 40. So Hey, if Hunter Renfro can do it. <laughs> But uh, anyway, we're talking about the concerns of the defense. It's really like to, to talk about the nickel Sam. Yeah, Dorian O'Daniel was a godsend. He was amazing, and it was so fun to watch him. I'll miss his entertainment value more than anything, I think. I can't wait to watch him in the NFL. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see how he'll, he'll end up. I, I think he's that he's that guy that could move up to the line of scrimmage, but also be really good in, in coverage and you know, obviously learned that in a lot of stages of his career in Clemson. But yeah, very exciting player. But either, either way, I think we'll be just fine, whether that's um, Balen Specter, you know, coming in as a redshirt freshman or Isaiah Simmons moving, moving him up the, uh, to the box where he's, he's going to be versatile, super athletic, long. Uh, I think there's some answers at the very least. Um, so with Van Smith leaving early, still some issues of safety. And I think that's why you don't hear more chatter of Kevon Wallace moving and playing the cornerback position. He played, uh, spent last spring working the boundary spot. Maybe you don't see that issue with uh, depth issues at safety as well. Right. I, that's, I think that's why. I think you would naturally you'd want to cross-train him. Probably a corner, uh, maybe a little bit of nickel, but definitely corner and safety. And you're, not gonna, you're just going to put him at safety. He's, he's a good player, and uh, he'll be just fine at safety. But, yeah, the num- the, that's more what it creates a strain on uh, the numbers, the, the not to, to be able to just say, hey, 
here's a guy, Isaiah Simmons, for example, you can play all, all the time at nickel Sam and really get, you know, engross yourself in that, in that role, when you know, watch film of yourself in that role, that that's where it hurts um, because you're having to cross train guys and then you're thin, but, uh, but safety is going to be in terms of top end talent. It should be just fine. I, I am worried uh, in that second unit to compare that, contrast that to the, the cornerback unit. Sure. You know, not a lot of depth, but that second string, they, they have a lot of talent, maybe not a lot of experience. There is a drop off uh, in that second string when you talk about the safeties. Talking about, I mean, some of the guys behind them. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to mention the name. Um, well, we'll see how it turns out. I mean, of course, at this part of the year in the spring, a lot of time left before, you know, August rolls around and fall camp and then obviously uh, the opening game to kick off the 2018 season. But this is exactly what you'd expect to hear from Britton Venables at this time of year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what, what makes him so damn great. He he loves the grind. He loves a challenge. And you know, he's got the best, like, he, he'll never say this. And he, he'll, he they're always going to keep asking him about the 2014 comparison. Is this defense better? And it is. It's it's definitely better. It might be a lot better. It, it's historically good, I think, on paper at least. But he's he's going to always be like, I don't know. We got to prove it on the field first. Or like, no shit, Brent. Help us. You know, come on. Give, it, give me a good article to write. You know, that's what the journalist is probably asking. Uh, so over under looking at our schedule next year and how it's pretty weak. Um, how many teams score above 10 points on, on us? We'll go five over under. I have to look at the schedule, but it's weak. Just believe me. I, I know. I know it's weak. Um, it's tough with garbage. Regular time. season. If we, if we can look at S and P stats, but that's the thing with garbage, time. garbage that, time, but that's the thing with garbage time is like our, our starters were number one. Our garbage time players are really good too. They're just inexperienced. Uh, number two, our starters are so good when it comes to garbage time, there's a goose egg on the scoreboard. They don't have much time to score more than 10. And there is a lot of early rotations too, with some guy, with some players you wouldn't expect it. At least you saw it in 2017. I'm going under five, Cody. I'm calling it. Yeah, I mean, it's regular the, season, 12 games. It's going to be tough to score on our defense. It's it's going to be ugly, but uh, it, for the offenses, I'm not ready to make any predictions. In the way that Dabo manages games, it's tough to make those predictions. But let's talk about one other thing. Let's kind of move to the freshman. Use that as a as a segue to talk about Xavier Thomas because. You and I talked about all five stars aren't created equally in our recruiting episode last episode. This guy, along with Trevor Lawrence, like you're talking about two transcendent talents. And I'm talking, what is that? How do you define that? Well, that would be to me, that's Deshaun Watson. You're, if, depending on your program, you're lucky to, to have a guy like him. Hunter Renfro. You would say Hunter Renfro, Ben. But anyway, like I was saying, what is a transcendent talent? I think that's a Deshaun Watson once every 10 year, once every 20 year type of player, depending on the program. For Xavier Thomas, the, he's Javion Clowney type potential that can just change every single game. And same with Trevor Lawrence. Like we're talking about, that's the type of impact they have, and they're they're in the same, they're packaged in the same class. And then I look maybe a tier below them, and maybe it's not right to put these guys in tiers just yet. But I think of um, a once in a five year player, and that's like a Sammy Watkins or a or, or a CJ Spiller. We'll we'll say five to ten depending on the program. But that, I think that's Darion Kendrick. I think that's Darion Kendrick. I think it's K.J. Henry. Rave reviews uh, for Kendrick so far. They said that uh, he reminds them a lot of Nuke. Right. Uh, what I saw in his highlight tape, and it's, it's hard because he was a quarterback in, in high school, it looked a little bit like Sammy with his elusiveness, but uh, whenever, you, whenever you combine that with like the, the, go, the, kind of the aggressive ball skills, you know, high point of the ball and that sort of thing, that's, that's a really good sign because he did play quarterback in high school. And just to know that he's already got that aggressive streak, that's a, that's a really good sign. 
Um, another guy, Justin Ross. I mean, we expect a lot of big things out of him. I mean, don't forget to fold him into this class. Um, and also KJ Henry, maybe not the same level of five star again that we're talking about Xavier Thomas and Trevor Lawrence, but five stars nonetheless. Right, right. Yeah, him and Xavier Thomas are kind of like both both ends of the spectrum of why they got their five star. With Xavier Thomas, is just he's ready to made. Um, he will be an impact player this year uh, in some way, whether that's situationally or if he's just gets plugged in uh, routinely. But KJ Henry, it's more on his upside because he's he's got some filling out to do. Uh, I don't think he'll redshirt, but I don't see him as as, as you know, making an impact right away. But yeah, Justin Ross isn't even on campus yet, and he is just. I mean. Him and Kendrick, you couldn't have got, you couldn't have picked uh, two better wide receivers. And Kendrick is kind of the forgotten guy because he had been committed for so long and all attention focused on Justin Ross, who is a higher rated prospect. Um, but Kendrick's no slouch, five star guy. He's already turning heads in in uh, spring practice. Yeah, the, the comparison I'm going to make is a, a bigger and probably a little bit faster Ray Ray McLeod. So just imagine that, with, with, and with naturally with a bigger frame, like six one. You're going to be a better receiver as in terms of catching ability, ball catching ability. Well, then he'll leap after two years. Then he could. <laughs> I'm not sure if it works like that, but yeah. Uh, um, but I think that's you know just to speak to like why this is so exciting. I think that's another reason. This is one of the best freshman class freshman classes ever, and all these early enrollees just well, add to that excitement. And we're getting freshmen who are going to come in and play and make an impact right away, especially the way Clemson, especially the wide receiver position, the way Clemson rolls wide receivers out there. So that's part of the excitement, too. Like, every year you're going in with new guys that you know are going to play right away. No longer are you bringing in a bunch of freshmen who, though maybe talented, are going to redshirt, and you're going to kind of forget about them as they play on the scout team uh, their first year, and then they kind of start cycling in the next year, maybe not starting, maybe on the 2D. But you got guys that are going to play a Good handful of minutes or snaps this year. Yeah, on a, on a championship contending team, a legit, you know, maybe even front runner, and they're going to get, yeah, they're going to be some starters maybe, or at least guys contending in the two deep. And one guy we haven't even talked about is Jackson Carmen, and the Tiger Illustrated crew just can't quit writing about how big this guy is. It's just, I mean, that, that's the first impression I think that strikes people when they see him is how large he is, and they make the instant comparison to the offensive Dexter Lawrence. And uh, I mean, that's, we just traditionally have not recruited. Offensive lineman. Can you imagine the paw drill between Dexter Lawrence and Jackson Carmen? I mean, could you imagine you know, getting in, in the middle of that or the, them guys in a tussle? Or both of them on the slide? The, the slide would break if both of them are going down at the same time. I hope they engineered that slide well. Um, yeah, so again, every year a different reason to be really excited about the football team. You know, going into last year, it was where are we going to go after the national championship? How are we going to be without Deshaun Watson, with Kelly Bryant, uh, an unknown um, at, at the starting quarterback position? And this year is a completely new tale. How are they going to bounce back from that bad loss to Alabama? How is the quarterback battle going to shake out? Everything that we're reading uh, in all the reports and spring practice is they all look great. Kelly Bryant's still in the lead. So that doesn't really tell us a lot. We're going to learn a lot more in the spring game, and that's going to be a really exciting thing to watch. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's something to tune into. I think the last few years it's been a little bit more exciting, uh, mainly because of the freshmen. But Well, and because these freshmen, more and more freshmen, are early enrollees, so we actually get to start talking about them in spring practice, not waiting till August. Right. 
And I think we find we we have found though, even with these some of these five star players, they don't quite make the Sammy Watkins type impact. And part of that's just just because they're not ready. The other part is they don't we don't have the need that we did right. back in 2011 when Sammy arrived. But uh, I think quarterback particularly with with Hunter Johnson looking like he's things are have clicked because that was always the criticism criticism on him last year was that he couldn't the light bulb didn't come on. He had all the raw talent. Uh, but he just he couldn't I guess pick up the system the ins- the install was too much and he and he hit that wall hit that freshman wall and didn't feel comfortable didn't feel confident but that's all behind him now like this is a really really good problem to have but it is in some ways a problem because you have some really good talent at quarterback well I think we started to see the problem kind of shake itself out with the exit of Tucker Israel and Zarek Cooper um, I, I think Tucker left probably a year earlier than I would have imagined. Usually Clemson's going to like to carry five quarterbacks on the roster. They're down to four now, but down to four damn good ones. Uh, yeah, if uh, if Hunter Johnson doesn't win the job and Trevor Lawrence takes it over this year, um, or Kelly Bryant keeps it and then, then Trevor Lawrence maybe takes it over next year, I think you're probably going to see early departure. But I can see a world where Hunter Johnson takes the reins this year. Kelly Bryant shifts over to another position and Trevor Lawrence hangs around in the wings because he'll eventually uh, get that starting job. And then you see Chase Bryce come along in his fourth year. Um, he could be there the fourth or fifth year. He could be the starting quarterback. So again, a very, very good problem to have. I can't remember a team having this much talent at the quarterback position, except for maybe Ohio state three or four years ago. But like you mentioned, very good problem to have. Yeah, the I guess what we've what we've heard is similar to how certain guys will, will grab your attention. We mentioned Jackson Carmen and Dexter Lawrence, and they do they just instantly, and mostly because of their stature. Well, Hunter Johnson and Trevor Lawrence are just apparently two guys that when you you're watching them throw it, watching them throw warmups or just some you know, throw their receivers, you just stop and watch them because of the just the way they fling the ball. And apparently, Hunter Johnson in particular has been you know turning heads. So, man, it's. It, this is a good thing. I'm, it makes me excited at the, at the very least. It's it's a good year, or uh, it's a good year ahead of us. I, I can't see how this isn't a front runner toss up uh, championship contender with Alabama. So, what do you say with a package with three quarterbacks on the field and four wideouts, and then whoever else to fill in next year? Just put them all out there. Put your talent out there. You never know who's going to throw the ball. Just need a center to snap it to him. Etn, you got to have him out on the field. Well, Just put all your skill guys out there. I Who think needs you need Trevor Lawrence at tight end naturally because he's six six. Sure, he's going he's going to transition really. Kelly well. Bryant could be a bookend tight end. Yeah, yeah, maybe a halfback sort of, sort of deal. Yeah, yeah. Hunter Johnson, I I don't know. I think he's gonna, he, maybe he's just going to stick a quarterback. Hunter Rofro has to be on the field. Yeah, and you're like, what's the kicker doing on the field with the other kicker? And I, everybody's going to be confused. Speaking of Bam, kickers, we, we forgot to talk about BT Potter. Um, one of our first uh, scholarship kickers coming on right away, three-star. Really excited about him. But then also signed the highest punter, highest-rated punter in the class. Man, you guys know me, have listened to this long enough. You know how high I am on kickers and how happy I must be right now. It, it's incredible. And we always talk about, like, Dabo makes some mistakes, and he'll never admit to them publicly because a lot of times it's aren't necessarily his mistakes. It's his guys not grabbing certain recruits or – uh, whatever the case, I mean, he can't do it all, right? But he'll never acknowledge that he made a mistake maybe in recruiting, but he'll kind of acknowledge it in a, in a kind of under-the-radar type way when he goes out. He takes care of special teams. And he's if you really think about three years, just from 2015, our special team situation then, to what it's going to be just by next year, 
yeah, complete, like probably one of the best units in the country. Or us trying to punt two years ago or, <laughs> right. kick, or kick field goals last year. Now we got three guys. Alex Spence apparently has gained some confidence, and it's a battle between, it's going to be a battle between him, Potter, and Hugel for the starting kicking job next year. Quick trivia question, if I may. Uh, when was the last time Clemson had a left footed scholarship punter come onto the team until this yeah. year? Scholarship? Oh, yeah, I have no like, idea. Is it during my lifetime? Yes. Played for the Bears. Oh, I know who you're talking. I can't remember his name. Chris Gardaki. Like, Chris Gardaki. Like and 1990s. Funny enough, until Bradley Pinion came around, he's also uh, the last Clemson punter to leave early and be selected in the first round. Dropping some straight up knowledge on the kicking position. This is what we're here for, folks. We inform and enlighten and entertain. And give you something to go to sleep to. Um, so no, it's it's very exciting though. Like it's it's amazing that like Dabo he said like he, he made it a priority like two years ago. We're gonna we're gonna turn this special teams thing on its head. We're gonna be one of the best in the nation, best is standard. I'll be damned if he doesn't live up to that in just about every aspect of of the of the program. Well, that's how we generally like to end episodes. Is on the special teams. Um, that is generally the highlight of our show. That being said, uh, thank you to everybody for. Uh, for tuning in for this episode uh, we appreciate all the love that we get you know we say this every time but it's not disingenuous we really do mean it we appreciate the high listen counts that we continue to see here in the off season you know we got more than just football to talk about it's great to talk about baseball it's great to talk about basketball and we're going to continue doing that here in the football off season uh, once we get past spring practice and the the spring game we're going to get into some meatier subjects more contentious subjects uh, between the guys on the podcast here so those are always entertaining if you're able to tune in for those and of course we'll keep following football we'll follow this baseball season and uh, most excitingly right now we're keeping a close eye to see how this clemson basketball team does in the upcoming acc and ncaa tournaments so thank you to uh, again to all of you guys for tuning in and listening if you have the opportunity please go into itunes and leave us a review be sure to subscribe to us on soundcloud you can follow us on twitter on Facebook, you can email us at clemsonpodcast at gmail.com. You know, any way you want to communicate, we welcome it. And again, we appreciate it. So with that, until next time, go Tigers. This guy, along with Trevor Lawrence, like you're talking about two transcendent, transcendent talents. Transcendental. Transcendental, that was a... Literature movement, transcendentalism. Great stuff. English literature, that's our. Yes. All right, we'll start that one. Transcendent. Just, just for reference.